I'm Eric Portwood, the founder of the Armed and Deadly Lifestyle and Movement. Are you ready to break the cycle of weak, unmotivated men? Are you ready to leave a legacy worth emulating? Ready to win the war fought in the battlefield of your mind? And join me as we weaponize our minds and bodies with the capabilities of extreme violence, but choose to forego that to protect, provide, lead ourselves and our families. It's time to find purpose in the pain by becoming the best version of ourself. Welcome to the Armed and Deadly Podcast. All right. What's up, guys? Uh, episode number two coming at you. Trying to stay consistent, like I said from the get-go. I'm going to release uh, one episode a week. So sticking to my word and try to stay consistent and um, do that. So anyway, second episode, I've got a guest. So we all know the show's name is Armed and Dadly. So who better to have as my first guest than my own dad? Um I'm excited. I'm excited about this episode. I've been very excited about this whole podcast, honestly. Um, I've got a lot of good reviews from the first episode, so if you haven't listened to the first episode, go on and jump on that thing and take a peek at it before you listen to this. Um, so, my dad is like, um, he's pretty much a, an example of the types of men, guests, that I will have on this podcast anyway, and just I'm fortunate that he's my dad. So um, probably, hopefully, we'll have some laughs on here. We might shed a few tears. Um, there'll be lots of lots of valuable information. Um, so anyway, so I'll introduce him myself. My dad, Butch Portwood, aka Dad. Um, like I say, he's he's the type of guest that I'm going to have on here. Um, the humble, kind, strong, confident man. Um, just a man's man. Um, I, I, I sometimes joke, and I know that I'll, anytime I go places, um, I'll walk in the room, and it's not, hey, what's up, Eric? How you doing, man? It's, hey, Eric, how's your dad? If that... Uh, if that gives you any indication of the type of man my dad is, they're, they're they're quickly to ask how he's doing before before I how you know how am I doing? Um, well respected, well liked everywhere he goes. Um, he's been married to my mom. How long have I been married? Forty one years. Forty one years. Um, he's an army vet. Uh, he's retired from the Richmond Fire Department here in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, 40 years he did in the uh, Richmond Fire Department. Um, that's unheard of these days. Uh, you're not going to see people do 40 years in the fire department anymore. Um, shoot, I did 16 and I'd had enough. So, um, he's a strong, strong Christian, man of faith, kayaker, weightlifter, outdoorsman, camper, marksman, um, you know, ultimate man of mystery. Um, go goes on solo camping trips all the time, all by himself, and he says he 
prefers it that way, unless I go with him. So, um, so anyway, you want to introduce yourself at all? So, uh, did I, did How I, can I follow that? Yeah, well, <laughs> I don't know. You could you could say. I don't even think I meet that. Uh, well, see, like I say, you're humble. There you go. So you, if if you want to say anything, now's your time. If you want to introduce yourself, no. just say hi. Okay. All right. Well, so the way this interview, so it's going to be pretty much like a timeline based thing. Um, we'll start with my dad's childhood and uh, go on from that. So that'll be. So what? What was what was your childhood like, Dad? It was pretty good. It was a good childhood. My mom and dad were very young. My dad was nineteen, and my mom was uh, fourteen when they got married. So, and then she was sixteen when she had me. She had a fifth grade education, and my father only had a eighth grade education. And they probably did. I, I think they did really well. Yeah, yeah. I've I have fond memories of of both of them for sure. Um, I, I, I guess you could tell they're neither one with us anymore. Um, no, they they both passed away. Uh, my mom. Did. Recently, well, two years ago, May twenty third of nineteen twenty nineteen. That was pretty hard because she had dementia and suffered with that and COPD and strokes. She had numerous strokes, so to to see her go down and not be the woman she used to be. She was tough to tough to the very very end. Um, uh, we we all. We're fortunate enough to be by her side when she did go. So, um, I believe she went to heaven. Yeah, no, no doubt. Uh, um, so what were some of your what were some of your fondest memories of childhood? Just like my my time now, my fondest memories were. Um, when I was growing up, and I got to, we had we had some land, and there was big farms around us, and all all the big farms had lots of uh, wooded areas and stuff. My mom, she she said, "I'm cleaning the house today. Get out of my hair." <laughs> so yeah, she she'd give me some food, and she wouldn't see me till dark. I'd be in the woods somewhere by myself because. A lot of the guys that lived around, they they nobody nobody lived very close. So. Yeah, it was it was enjoyable. I enjoyed being in the woods. Did you have any um, any not so fond memories of growing up? Anything you'd change or maybe molded who you may be today? I think. Um, my parents went through a rough patch. All marriages do. Where my father had an affair. That was hard. He, uh, but he got himself straight, got back on track. 
And he was a better man for it. Yeah. That, that's one thing that we hope to, on this podcast, we hope to portray to people is, you know, we, we all make mistakes and, you know, but a lot of those things we hope to to grow from um, more so um, they don't have to they don't have to define you they don't have to ruin your life they can they can truly change your life for the better if you allow it um, but it can also ruin your life if you allow it so I think it's like you say he was a better man for it so oh yeah he was proves. he was a better man for it he became a better husband I'd say better father as well. Yeah. Although he was a very quiet man. Yeah, so that, that kind of rolls into the next question of, of what type of father, what type of father was your dad, uh, my grandfather? He was a very strong man, very capable person. And like I said earlier, he was only, only went to the eighth grade, but... Uh, he was a machinist, he was a mechanic, he was a carpenter. He could fix anything. He could fix things, he could make things. He, he Being a machinist, he he would make things. Yeah. I remember one time helping him working on a, someone's car. He warned me not to ring that bolt off in that transmission. <laughs> As I rang it off. Yeah. I slid out from underneath the car and took off out the garage. <laughs> he said, come on back. You, you didn't do it on purpose, you know. Let's come on back. We can fix that. That was late on a Saturday, I believe. And I said, well, Dad, how are you going to fix that? He said, well, I'm going to drill that thing and get that bolt out, and I'm going to make another one if I can't find one. Well, he couldn't find one, and he made one. Yeah. I, I think I, I remember. I remember the tools. I remember him making, making screws, and he had a he had a metal lathe and everything mm-hmm. in the garage. I remember that. Um. So as a child, after getting through your childhood, and did so, you you know we talked about in the intro. You're you're you were a firefighter for forty years. Did did you always know that you wanted to be a fireman growing up? Um. Not until uh, my dad started a, uh, he actually mortgaged his home to, to build a fire station. Yeah, station station number three, Hanover, in Hanover County. Yeah. That was the uh, state, I was at that station for a little bit of time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he, uh, and I started volunteering at 15 and a half. And I think I had just got my learner's permit. I uh, I was driving the fire trucks with my learner's permit. <laughs> you know that would never happen now. Yeah. Driving these big fire trucks around learner's permit. But growing up, you know, in the country with farmers, I drove trucks all the time. Anyway, so <clears throat> when um, after I got my regular license, I remember showing up at the fire station. A house fire had came in, and uh, Gene Eves, Captain Eves, he was a Awesome man. He was in the Richmond Fire Department. He said, all right, boy, jump on this fire truck. (laughs) 
you're driving, and we're yeah. going to this house fire, just yeah. the two of us. And we went on to the house fire, and we got there first, nobody else there. Set it up, went in, put the fire out, and came out. I mean, it was 16. <laughs> I was hooked. Yeah. Um. So then you you did uh, you did a little time in the in the army. That's, that's right. Um, what was your what was your, what was your job in the army? I started off uh, as a wheel mechanic, which was not what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a firefighter in the army and. When they tested me, they said, your aptitude is a mechanic. <laughs> I said, well, figure that. <laughs> you know, doing it from the time you're a little kid, helping your dad, you know, you learn a lot of stuff. So. Yeah. So that was what they ended up telling me I was going to be. And then I ended up going in armor. And I was in armor for a while. Yeah. Um. Let's get into uh, where I, I, I hear. I hear we always make jokes of where you met my mom. You always say you met her on the street corner on the park bench. And uh, so, uh, what was is that the uh, is that the truth or where, where did where did you meet mom? Well, it wasn't on the corner, <laughs> but it was on her park bench. <laughs> and uh, I was in I was in the firehouse lifting weights when I was younger and bigger and stronger, and. Uh, she came down to the station to, with her girlfriend to visit my friend. And he goes out to talk to him. He's out to talk to him. He, said, he came in to get me. He said, come out here and talk to this girl, pretty girl. So you, so you peeked out the window and saw who it was, did a couple more push-ups to get, get a little... Got a little more pump. Yeah, got a little pump on. No. <laughs> well, I went, out, I went out there. I went out there. She was I, a very attractive woman. I thought she was older. <laughs> But uh, when I went out there, she said, why do you keep moving around? Like I said, I've been lifting weights. And I didn't smell real good. So I was trying to stay downwind from her, you know. (laughs) So she said, look, uh, you you look like a nice guy. Would you like to go out? I said, well, yeah, I'd like to go out with you. She said, but there's one thing you have to do. You have to spell my last name. I said, what's last name, Jones? (laughs) You can't spell that. (laughs) (laughs) Not on a good day. (laughs) And and, uh, she said, no, Kushki. All right, good good meeting you. (laughs) I didn't even say that. I just turned around and started walking back in. And she said, where are you going? I said, well, I can't spell. What do you mean you can't spell? It sounds, it spells just like it sounds. I said, well, I don't hear it. I, it's just, <laughs> I'm just, I, you know, it's nice meeting you. I'll go on in. Yeah, that's about what happened. She stopped me. She said, well, let me give you a hint. It starts with a K. I said, a K? It doesn't start with a C? <laughs> See, I already failed. <laughs> anyway, she spelled it for me, and then she still went out with me. Yeah, she felt sorry for you. That's what it was. That's all right. Uh, 
So I guess some extra push-ups must have worked before you walked outside. Yeah, it looked pretty good. <laughs> um, so that then so ever so that was that was a start. And you've been what did you say forty-one years? Been married forty-one. Forty-one yeah. years. This past April. Um, so that goes into a it's a common common topic I'm noticing is is a lot of. Notice a lot of my friends and, and everybody, a lot of people, people are so quick to get divorced these days, it seems, seems like. Um, you've been married for 41 years. I'm sure it's not been uh, all of sunshine, rainbows, and unicorns, though, that whole 41 years. So what, uh, what, do you think it, what do you think the reason is? What do you think the trick is? God. Yeah, put God first. And then she always says, we never fell out of love at the same time. That's, that's, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Either one of us was always trying to keep it together. Yeah. And I guess I think uh, I'd like to elaborate. I, I think, um, I think that's what, we're seeing a lot is is people a lot some people not all people I don't want to speak for everybody I've not been in everybody's shoes but um, I feel like people stop trying I think maybe trying is the the harder the harder of the routes I think uh, it's easier just to walk away for people sometimes but uh, when they walk away the same person they were the same problems they were having, they're just going to move them to the next person. Um, uh, I know uh, we separated, and it was much harder being separated than it was to face each other, sit down, and discuss our problems. Because when you separated, you solved nothing. Yeah. Solved nothing. It's communication, transparency, honesty. Yeah. Gotcha. Um so there then however many whatever the time frame was and uh here here comes uh little here, Eric. here comes little little old me prancing on into the into the picture. Um yeah. what was it what was it like for you becoming a becoming a dad, becoming a father? Scary. I said, I'm not. No, if I don't know if I'm ready for this, because it's uh, a tremendous responsibility. That once you have a child, that's for life. Yeah. You are uh, responsible for another human being, and I had to change some of my ways. I was, I would. Uh, Work a lot, not be home. I changed those ways. I had to be home for my little Eric. I think I remember if the story serves me right. You say you were working in the fire department, and then um, 
doing roofing on the side and then mm-hmm. one framing day, houses one day I, one day you came home and i didn't really even recognize you was that yeah what happened? yeah because i'd work 24 hours then work 12 hours on my day off and by the time i got home halftime you were asleep so I'd see you on the weekend, and that's what we were doing so your mom could stay at home to take care of you rather than have to work. So I'd work two jobs, three jobs. But when that happened, I said, nope. If he's home, I'm going to be home if I'm not at the firehouse. Yeah. My part-time will be part-time. Right. And I kind of went and worked for Instead of working for someone else, I started working for myself. And that worked out a lot better. Yeah. Because I could arrange my schedule the way I wanted. Yeah, that's, you know, that's what's beneficial of what I've done here recently. It's it's all about all about family being being present for sure. Um So what what were your goals as a father? How did you how did you want to show up as a father? I wanted to be that strong, quiet father who only interceded when I really needed to, but guide you from behind. Yeah, that. Yeah, it says it. It says it all that um, you've did a damn good job at it. Because um, if it weren't for those values and those and that example that you set, you didn't you didn't tell me what to do. You showed me what to do, and which has, I mean, it's brought it to this very moment in time. Yeah, us sitting having this opportunity to sit together. What a great opportunity this is. I mean, we get, to, me we, we, we get to sit here and record this and video it. Um, it'll be on YouTube. Um, and, you know, Landon and whoever else can, can look back at it um, forever. It'll always, always be there. So, um. Thank goodness everything I did won't be on there forever. Well, yeah, well, that goes <laughs> back made, to... I, I made my share of mistakes. That goes back to making mistakes. That's why we're yeah. the people we are. Um, what was the hardest part about being my dad? I was... Was I a difficult kid or... No, no. No, you were, you were a very good kid. We did a lot of stuff together, and I, th- I think, well, I know I got a lot of enjoyment out of being outdoors with you. Yeah. I remember first time taking canoeing. The water was cold, and it was pretty pretty miserable. <laughs> and we, uh, we spent the night out in a tent. I let your mother talk me into only taking a blanket. That was a mistake because you ended up with the blanket and I ended up sleeping on the ground with nothing. Yeah. But but uh, we, it was time to the next day we got up, we ate, we 
paddled back down river and uh, we got to where we were going to get to go back to the car and load the canoe and go home. And you said, still raining. We don't have to go home yet, do we? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, Landon does that to me now. Like, oh, man, yeah, I'd like to. Yeah. <laughs> it's cold and rainy out here. Yeah. Now, I remember that trip vividly. Then we went on down to the to the side of the river and set up a tarp and yep. had lunch. And Sure did. Yeah. Those are the, the memories we made together growing up are just like I say, you know, those those are the example you set has been the same things I'm trying to do with, with Landon, the same things I'm trying to do with the podcast and um you know, a, fr- a friend in the in the gym this morning said uh he liked my first episode because I you know I called them father figures. Um, I think a lot of people, there's a lot of kids out there that don't have dads to spend time with. And just because you're not their dad or um, you can be an influence in these kids' lives and be very, and literally change their outlook on, on a lot of things if you just show them, set the example, be a, a positive role model in their lives. Um and that you know, I'd, it's another part of the the movement for this podcast and Armed and Dadly is is hopefully pushing that mindset to uh, be a father figure for everybody. Um, so, is there anything you wish you would have done differently as a father? Yeah, I wish I had taken you to church more. Uh, spoke with you more about Jesus and God. Uh, men that do that with their sons, daughters, help them to have less problems in life. The ones that can talk with them and let them know that you're going to have problems but you always have somebody to fall back on that's God yeah got to trust the trust the path he's got a he's got a path for us all Um, you know sitting here again sitting in this moment it makes it really kind of seems surreal to be able to put this stuff out and it's definitely God's will um, so um, I mean it was I'd have never been a firefighter if I hadn't been for God and the reason I say that I was 18 years old and being a little bit wild and adventurous <laughs> I was racing old 53 Plymouth car down through our woods which and when I say down through the woods I mean down a small path through the woods <clears throat> and it I couldn't make the next turn so I decided to cut through the corner so when I cut through the corner I hit a tree stump couldn't see the stump in the bushes cut the 
end of my nose off, broke off teeth, fractured my skull, messed me up. Had to walk a half mile back to the house. Neighbor girl found me, nearly bled to death. Little did I know that actually that would save me getting my job in the fire department. And the way that saved my, me getting my job was that I went to apply. The chief knew you're a great-grandfather, great and he asked me if I was half the man he was. I told him no. So he said I was hired, but I had to go take a physical. So I went to take the physical. You had to fill out this form. You ever had a, a brain injury? And I had to say that I had a fractured skull. And the nurse said, well, you, we can't hire you. I was, I was devastated. That's all I wanted to do. So I went home, and I brooded around and brooded around. A couple of weeks went by. Three weeks went by. Father, My father called me. Coming to work for me. Get your butt down here. Yes, sir. So I started working with him. Well, then... Captain Eves, who was a lieutenant then, he uh, got in touch with his neurosurgeon. And I went for a visit with his neurosurgeon. The surgeon wrote a letter, took the letter to the, to the, uh, the nurse and to get a, a re-evaluation. And she said, okay, let's do your eye test. I failed the eye test. <laughs> She looked at me, and she said, you know what? You passed this eye test. I said, no, I didn't. She said, yes, you did. That was God. Little did I know that I'd be on a hazmat team, the dive team. I loved it. And we were able to help a lot of people. So let's get into um, let's get into that. What talk about your career? Like I said in the intro, forty years, yeah. in Richmond Fire Department. Yeah. Um, you just started. You named off a couple assignments. What were what were your, some of your favorite assignments? Uh, engine thirteen, uh, number six and number one. They were my f- favorites. Thirteen, it was three companies in one house. The ladder company, the tactical squad, and the hazmat team. I went down to be on the hazmat team from 17, which 17 is another story because that was a bunch of old men and I was a young guy and I I just couldn't get it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They wanted to sit around all day and I wanted to train. I yeah. wanted to, I wanted to do well, 
Yeah. So that, that wasn't working for me. So I finally got away from that. But 13 was awesome. That was awesome. I was, I was there for uh, 13 for nine years, I think it was. And then I inadvertently got sent uh, to the... I, I got put on a dive team at the same time I was on the hazmat team. And then the two captains here, they, they're arguing back and forth about who I'm going to train with for today. <laughs> so I said, well, this isn't working really good, but I'm going to keep on doing both. Well, then one day the guys came to me, and we had a, a gentleman that came in late every day, never worked, did never do what he was supposed to do. Uh so they designated me the guy to go talk to him. So I did. It went good until he took his finger and poked me in the chest. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it went downhill from there. So we were both going to be transferred because we're not supposed to fight. And uh, so I'm sitting on the watch desk, and the watch desk was separate in that station so nobody nobody could hear who you were talking to and, and the chief of the fire department called me while I was on the watch desk and he called me on the private line so I, obviously he wanted to speak to me I answered the phone you know, the way I was supposed to and uh, he said Butch I said yes chief he said you know I gotta transfer you I said, yes, sir. <laughs> I know you do. I had, to, I had a couple of them phones. <laughs> like father, like son, I guess. Yeah. I, I do. I, I understand. I said, uh, where are you sending me? He says, well, I'm calling you. I want to ask you where you want to go. I said, you're kidding, right? No. Where do you want to go? I said, well, I'll just go in the dive team. He, he laughed then because the dive team was the other company that's in the same station. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't even have to move my locker yeah. or my bed. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, it made sense to me. He laughed. He said, okay, which shift? So then now I'm taken back. Mm -hmm. I said, which shift? I said, well, it's opening open on B shift, Chief. I asked you what shift you want to be on. I said, the one I'm on. <laughs> <laughs> I work part-time with these guys, you know. Yeah. We're together all the time. He said, okay. Well, that was at 3.30. At 5 o'clock, the transfer list come out, and I got transferred. Well, the guy never did any work. He had made it known that he did not want to go to this specific place. Oh. Guess where he went? Oh, yeah. So I spent the rest of my career on the dive team. That was 18 years in. I when spent 40, so. You went in, you went to the dive team after, you were in 18 years when you went to the dive team? Let's see, seven, nine, 16. 16 years. Is that when the, when did the dive, did the dive team, had it just kind of getting off the ground or is it? Uh, it, it, it was just starting and it and the way I got stuck on there was I was a paddler. Yeah. And uh, I was good at paddling. I could run whitewater with a canoe. And uh, they tried a couple other guys, and they couldn't pass the swimming test. 
And they told me they wanted me to be on it. I said, well, I can't pass swim test either. I've, I'm a paddler. I don't s- swim unless I mess up. And then I don't have to swim far. I said, how far we got to swim? They said, 200 yards. I said, 200 yards? That's a long way. <laughs> yeah, that's a long way to dog your paddle. <laughs> and that's what I did. Yeah. Breaststroke. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, they said, oh, come on. So I did it. And I was the worst. We'd go take diving, and we took diving from rangers and seals and stuff. And these guys were awesome. And here I am, not the worst one in the class, <laughs> but I was—I I did survive it. So then I got pretty good. So would you say your fondest memories of the fire service were? Yeah, working with the guys on the water rescue and being in a rescue company, going on every fire in the city. If there was anything that an extra company was needed, we went. If there was a a code we and we were closest, we went. Extrications, uh, unfortunately, a lot of death. Dealt with a lot of death. So that goes into the hardest times. What, um, what, are the, what, what are some of those times that I know in the in the in the, in this field, there's a lot of there'll be a lot of military and police and fire that that listen to this podcast. Um, that have followed me and my openness with um, taking care of your mental health. And, you know, we talk about some of the hard time. What were, what were some of those incidents that, that did stick out the most? Well, there's, I just had a flood of memories. Flood of memories. Two, two probably stick out the most. One's a little sick because <laughs> uh, one of our old friends, Mike Miller, <laughs> he, name, was, name, he had just come name, in the fire department. Name he, dropping. He was... <laughs> He, I shouldn't have done that, I guess. He's just a good man. He's awesome good man. Good father as well. He, uh, he was with us searching for a body down on the James River. And had been there for some time. And we found it, and the only, uh, the only tissue left was in the tennis shoes. We'd been searching for it for 30 days. And there was no head, no hands. So um, I took him with me. I said, he said, I want to go with you. I want to help. I said, okay, come on. You can come with me. What are we doing? I said, we're looking for the head. And the look on his face was priceless. (laughs) He said, we're doing what? (laughs) What do you you mean? It's not attached to his shoulders? (laughs) I said, he... uh, we got to find his head. 
Uh, if we can't find his hands, if we can find his hands, that won't do us no good because there's no fingerprints anymore. So we've got to find his head so we can do dental records to prove who we found is who he is. So uh, we searched. We did not find it. So the only, the only way we made identification was uh, clothing that was nearby. Yeah. Other one was was a car accident on the bridge, and they called the dive team because the car was on the bridge. I said, I was, "I'm on the way over there." I said, "Why are they calling us? The car is not in the water; it's on the bridge." <laughs> what happened was a very, very large, I think it was a furniture box truck, ran into the box of uh, the back of this uh, sedan. They hit it so hard that it burst into flames and both vehicles were on fire. And we had to extricate the three people from the car. I don't guess this is going to be too gory, is it? Yeah, try to try to baby it down some. Um, so we got there. We, we, uh, we had to pry them out of the car. That was a memorable extrication and, and bag them. But we had to take a couple breaks because it was a little bit gory. But we got it done. So that leads into, you know, the talk about, we talk about mental, the mental health and, um, how it's how it's good to talk about the things that you've witnessed and seen and um you know not hold that not hold it in uh we you know I talk about it's okay to to cry and the power of, of a man's tears we've already shed a few tears on this podcast so yeah. you know with with that being said where how did you guys with with a lot of the things that you know, the times have changed. Uh, we, there's probably way more resources available to people now. Um, as far as mental health things go, it's it's not. We're, we're trying to we're trying to get rid of that stigma so much. It was probably much more of a stigma back then. It was uh, back then. It you, know, you weren't very manly if uh, you cried. Of course, uh, you weren't very manly if you. Wanted to talk about it. But probably about two or three years into being on that special team, we found out we were losing people. They couldn't handle it. So we brought it on ourselves that whenever we had something, we got together, we sat down, and we talked about it. Tell me what bothered you about that. And you tell me what bothered you, and I'll tell you what bothered me. It don't make us any less than we are, but it'll make us better. Yeah. So that's what we did. And we could usually tell if we got a, a new man in, um, 
it didn't take but one run. So we, we got the chief to let us pick our own people, the ones we knew that had been in the, had seen things. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I witnessed you can, you can, um, you can kind of tell right out of the gate, or, you know, first mm-hmm. couple calls on if what types of things bother yeah. people. And that's what, that's what the important takeaway is, is, you know, like you say, is to, be open and and support one another. It's a tough it's a tough job, but you know it's got to be done. Um, and if you can talk to one another openly about the things that have bothered you, you're you're only getting stronger. You're only you know you're 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 growing through that pain. And um, I know some of the new guys. I you know I would pull them aside. Um, just be straight up with them, you know. Hey, that was a, that was a rough call. Like, yeah. are you did that? Did anything of that bother you? It's so it's totally normal mm-hmm. if that bothered you. You know, I, I'd sometimes I'd, it, if if it didn't bother you, then I'm probably a little more worried about you than if it, it did. So yeah, absolutely. Um, then we probably should think of something else for you to do. But you know how we would. Uh, <laughs> A lot of times we'd make jokes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, there, there's, there's definitely the humor <laughs> in, the, in the fire service. We would make, make jokes about it, and if a lot of people, if they ever heard the things that we would say, they would be appalled. Yeah, they they never call for help, that's for sure. Oh, I'm not calling those guys for yeah, help. <laughs> be honest with you, those are the guys you want there because they're not going to bail. Right. Um. What uh, what regrets do you have? Is there um, anything you haven't done in your life that up until this point that you wish you would have done? Or no, I have no regrets. I wish you could have done some things better. Maybe yeah, that's not a regret. Yeah, but I have no regrets. Some things sadden me. Yeah. Uh, but no regrets. <clears throat> How about things that you wish you would have done if that you that you hadn't? Mm. Not too late. Right, that's what I mean. Not too late. Still want to go skydiving. Um, I haven't done that yet. All right, yeah. Not I'm, too late. No, it's not. And I got a friend that does it. <laughs> yeah, probably don't. I don't, I don't Actually, I got several. I, I know who you're talking about. You probably. Yeah, he might cut your cord on the way down. Well, right? He's gonna pack my suit. <laughs> I don't know. He's <laughs> gonna be one packing my suit, so I'm not so oh, sure. You know, I gotta make sure I hadn't he'd pissed be, him off he'd today. Be, he'd be laughing at you the whole way down. Yeah. Um. Well, that's good. That, that's um. That's a question or, you know, something I like to think about a lot is, you know, if you were to die today, what you don't want to live with any, you don't want to have any regrets. You want to, go ahead. I don't have any any emotional regrets about some things you like to do differently. You know, that's not a regret. 
That's looking back and learning from and then changing because we can always change. I'm 72. I can still change. Yeah. Your mom's giving up on me, I think, but... (laughs) Well, we're all all a little uh, hard-headed, I guess. Yeah. Get it honest. Um... But yeah, I mean, you don't want to. You don't. You hate to be on your deathbed, and or you hate mm. to be injured, or you th- and think back, man, I wish I would have done that. I wish I would have done this. And there's not. I don't know if you ever hear anybody on their deathbed say, "I wish I would have spent more time at work," unless you liked your, unless you did a job like that maybe maybe but um i wish i would have more spent more time at the office or something mm-hmm. like that and that, you know typically it's the i wish i would have spent more time with my family yeah and that's that's what we don't want to regret and and there's that's what this what this podcast is about is you know investing in yourself and investing in the right aspects of your life, your family, your faith, finances, you know, all the the cliche, all the F's, fitness. Um, it might be cliche to some, but it's, it's, it really is the truth. Um, are there any questions that you think I should have asked you that I didn't ask? Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I tried to be forthright with you and tell you what I thought about things. You were pretty calm and laid back till you hit 18, so, and I understood that part because I remember what happened to me at 18. So what are the things that you held back that you wish you would have you wish you would have or were there things that you didn't tell me ahead of time that you knew uh, well good call it your grief yeah but or did you did you think it was better for me to learn i thought i no i i thought it was as long as it wasn't going to cause you tremendous financial financial problems or injury or I do remember talking to you about finances once but uh, I kind of waited for you to come to me yeah but I made myself available <laughs> yeah, so you could all, come to me yeah it was, it's always been I've always felt comfortable and that's the biggest you just you, you want to make your Make your kids feel comfortable. You don't want to hover over top of them or micromanage them or tell them what to do. And uh, I know, I, I know vividly. I remember. I can't remember the exact times or events, but I, I remember saying to you a couple of times, "Dad, you knew that was going to happen. Why didn't you? Why didn't you tell me?" And you just, you just grin. So, um, but I, it was a. Bigger impact. I learned a little bit better that way. <laughs> it is easier to learn from your mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
And that's where your grandfather taught me. Yeah. <laughs> well, he did it. Um, so when you uh, – this this podcast is all about us wanting to, to leave a legacy, um, somebody worth emulating, um, you know, somebody worth being um, – when you leave this world, how do you how do you want to be remembered? What what legacy do you hope to hope to leave? Well, I want people to think I was a good man. But I wanted to think I was a Christian man. Always tried to do the right thing. Even when it's hard. Even when you're going to suffer for it. Try to do the right thing. Because there's been times that I I've known the right thing to do. Either couldn't do it or didn't do it. And there were times that I just did the best I could. So I guess be remembered as a Good husband, good father. And a person to help people. Well you definitely um definitely lived up to that already. Truly appreciate the man you are, your father, you've been dad, and the time you spent with me. Um, you've, you've you've definitely lived up to what you've what you wanted to do. Have you have succeeded? Um, which leads you've made a huge impact on on my life. Um, you've made an impact on so many other other lives. Um, Landon loves his Paul Paul. Um, loves his meme all too, but you're you're on the podcast, so <laughs> um, we'll have to have mom on too. Um, so I'm just um, this this has been a great great conversation. It's gone a 
exactly how I figured it would. Um, pretty much sounds like a lot of the conversations we had together on a daily basis anyway. Um, yeah, pretty much. Which is, which I'm very, very um, fortunate, humbled. Um, you've taught me things as well. I think you've handled things very well. You've had some hard times. I've always been proud of how you've handled them. And I like what, where you're going now. And I know you'll do well. Thank you. It, um, you've always made you've always made me feel that way. So, um, thanks for being my first guest. Try not to cry anymore. Um, um, Hope everybody enjoyed it. Um, I'm sure you got plenty of value from my dad's words, as I've always had my entire life. So, love you. Love you. All right, guys. That's it. On to the next one. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Hope you're getting some value out of this content, out of this podcast. Um, If you are on whatever platform you're listening to us on and give us a rating and review it really goes a long way to get us free to get the reach get us out there get us seen by everybody so we can continue to help everybody grow uh, feel free to reach out to me on instagram at armed and badly that's where i'll be most active and if you're looking for coaching feel free to dm me as well and i'd be happy to help you with that again Thanks again for listening to the Armed and Badly podcast.